Welcome to the mission. My name is Mark Ashley. I'm, a, I'm actually an urgent care physician. I'm a, I'm a bass player, obviously. I, I'm, I'm actually an elder in this church. I'm certainly not a pastor or a preacher, and so, but you're stuck with me today, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, Pastor Chris, as Jason said, is actually at the Christian Missionary Alliance District, uh, or actually it's not district, it's National Council this week, and uh, he asked me to help out with the preaching, and so I'm really... Um, Really happy to be here and really excited to, to share with you today. Um, but I just wanted to let you know if you if you if you're new here or if you you haven't been around too often and and, and you hate the message, just come back next week because you got the pro back next week and and that's great. So thank you guys so much for singing so loud. I mean I think that that was um, an amazing just time of worship and and putting ourselves. Yeah, our hearts at the right place. Um, I hope you've you've learned a lot, a lot over the last few weeks as we've kind of been going through a series. It's called "Can I Ask That?" And I think this has been a really difficult series for some people. It's been kind of um, challenging because we're asking questions that sometimes feel uh, like, "Can I really say that? Can I really ask that? Am I doubting my faith?" And what we've talked about is that. We believe that asking tough questions and having doubt isn't, isn't toxic to our faith. It's the silence about those questions that is toxic to our faith. And, and illuminating these questions has been really eye-opening. And if, if you missed any of it, we, we have um, iTunes uh, podcast. If you don't do iTunes or Apple products, we have our website. They're sitting right there on our website. Go back and look at these questions because they've been really amazing. And, um, and I think uh, we've grown a lot through this. Often simply raising difficult questions like this, though, leads to confusion and ultimately divisiveness among Christians. So today we're going to look at a question that can lead many of us to really want to give up on Christianity. I know that sounds weird and we're sitting in a church here, but, but a lot of times have you asked yourself the question, why is Christianity known for all the evil we've done throughout the ages, from the Crusades to slavery to oppressing women and institutionalized racism, sex abuse scandals that are even in in the news today. Christians have sometimes used their power and authority to endorse really weird things and really crazy stuff. For some of us, this is more than just a philosophical issue. This is a personal issue. I mean, for some of us, we've been burned by Christians in the past. We thought that we could trust the safety of, of the church walls. We could trust that person who was supposedly an upstanding Christian and, and they hurt us. They abused us. I know there's people in this room that, that have been, that, been there and I'm sorry for that. Some of us, uh, you know, grew up in the church, we, 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 but then we left the church of our youth and now we're just coming back to faith kind of trying to figure this out because See, when you're, when you're a teenager, you see Christians as hypocritical, as, as people that say one thing and do another thing, because Christians do that sometimes, don't they? Sometimes Christians are thought of as the most angry and hypocritical people on this planet, and, and that's not what Jesus called us to. So the question we're going to ask today is, is sometimes much more personal and painful for some of us sitting in, these, in this room. And the question we're going to ask today is, how can I follow a God who would let Christians do such bad things? How can I follow a God that would let Christians do all this crazy stuff that we see ascribed to Christians? You know, I know many of us get frustrated by the negative things that Christians do, right? Um, The slogans and the signs we see, 
sometimes those get caught up in the headlines and, and, and we get known for our debates and our quarrels over, over issues in the, in the news or over politics. And it's not what Christ called us to. See, these things are all somewhat insignificant when we're talking about the big scheme of what our Heavenly Father's plan for us is here on earth, right? In fact, if I was to ask ten of you guys here in this room, what is it, what's a Christian? I'm sure we'd get five or six or eight or, or ten different answers to that question, right? So why is it that Christians can be defined as people like Mother Teresa? I mean, you know, she loved people and, 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 and made such a huge impact in the world. And we can, we can be defined as people with, with people or, or associated with people like Martin Luther King who wrote these amazing speeches and had this wonderful ideal about equality and freedom. And yet we can also be associated with things like this, the Nazis. I mean, they use Christian arguments to say we should persecute Jews, right? And how about these guys, our friends here? How many of you want to be associated with those signs and slogans? I mean, you're going to hell. God hates your feelings. Thank God for dead soldiers. I hope that most of us are embarrassed by this. Because, you see, there's a statement here that I wanted to show you, and and, and James put that right up for me. Christians in our culture are sometimes, are often seen as judgmental and self-righteous, bigoted and homophobic moralists who think they are only ones going to heaven and secretly relish the fact that everyone else is going to hell. Is that what you want to be associated with? No. It's not what I want to be associated with. But, but, but when, we, when we know, when we see in our culture and, and, and even in churches sometimes, this is, I think people sometimes relish the fact that, oh, well, well those people are all just going to hell, right? That's, we kind of get excited about that. Or, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that, that's felt that way sometimes. I don't want to just describe this to other people because sometimes this is in our own hearts. Some of this is, 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 is in our own hearts. See, Christians in our culture um, often are, are, are this way, and, and so people don't want to be associated with the term Christian. Like sometimes, I don't know, after I've, I've had a bad week, somebody comes up to me saying, hey, are you a Christian? And I, I, would, I would say, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that. Or let me, let me give you a little caveat. I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm a Christian, but I'm not that kind of Christian. And some of us will just say, no, I'm, I'm not a Christian. Um, because... We know that that's, this is what we get associated with. And I, I don't want that to be, be us today. So nowhere is, is the idea that Christians are thought this way more evident than on Facebook. I don't know about you guys. I grew up in a, in a Christian home. I had Christian friends. that I, 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 I went to a Christian school. I went to Azusa Pacific University and Loma Linda University. So, so I'm surrounded on Facebook by Christians. And, and, and that's all great. You get to find their, about, about their kids and, their, and what they're doing and, and their vacations and so forth. But the worst time to be a Christian on Facebook is right around election time. Is anybody with me? Is anybody with me? Because there's two people. There's two kinds of people. Those that think the, the president this time is either the antichrist or he's the most amazing guy 
the most, he supports all the Christian values and, and, and it just depends on which, which year you're in. I mean, uh, uh, so, so I think it's, it's really important that you realize that Jesus didn't believe in red states and blue states. You know, he didn't, there weren't such a thing back then. And, and the fact that we as Christians are, are known by these arguments that we have over this, I mean, I literally can think of today, a, a, a guy who, who would say he's a Christian, and, he, and, he's, and, he, and he's, he is a Christian, but he's he so into the, the politics of, of the Democrat Party. And then I have so many on Facebook that are so into the politics of the Republican Party. And what they don't realize is that they just need to become libertarians like me, and then everything would be perfect. <laughs> um, so, I mean, obviously. Uh, so... The point is, geez, this is not what Christianity is about in the Bible. So is this argument what we should be known by? I don't believe so. See, the other thing that we do with the word Christian is we use it to kind of tag on to things, to terms, to words, to make them, you know, Christian. So we, we have Christian education. And I, I was educated in a Christian environment, so there's nothing wrong with that. But, but when we put... Christian and use it as an adjective. What we do is we, we set this bar and then when people fail, when people don't live up to that, we, we look like hypocrites. It allows also, when you use the term Christian, you can, you can tag it on anything you like. In fact, I just recently on Facebook saw another um, post by somebody that said there's a new, um, and these guys are great, let me just show you these people. Um, there, there's a new Christian swingers club. And I, I thought, that's... That's nuts. I mean, maybe I'm... Call me old-fashioned. I mean, I might be, so just, you know. But that's, that's what happens in our world when we use the term Christian. And why is it that this happens? Why is it that we can slap the term Christian on anything and it'll be something from this to Mother Teresa to Martin Luther King? Why is it that Christians can be defined as any, on any side of any political or ethical or moral or anything. They can just say they're anything. Why is that fact? And I, I started looking at the term Christian and I, and I said, what, what, does it, where does it, what does it really mean? You know? And see, at the beginning of the Jesus movement, this, this time right after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the term Christian was not actually used by people in the Bible. People that, that um, called themselves Christians or called themselves followers of of the way, they didn't, they didn't use the term Christian. In fact, the term Christian is only used three times in the whole Bible. In every case, the word Christian, the word Christian is used in the Bible. It's used as, as really a derogatory term of ridicule. I'm going to show you real quickly this, this, the verse, Acts 11, 26. This is the verse where, where the term Christian is first defined. See, the first time people, the, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So the, the, let me just explain what, what Antioch was. And, and you, know, you know that Acts is a, is a book of the Bible that, that really chronicles the early church. And Antioch was a, was a place where, um, where Jesus' followers were gathering because they were being persecuted and all throughout the, the lands. And it, it wasn't just Jews, because you see Christians started as Jews, right? Jesus was a Jew. And, and, and then they spread to the Greeks and the Romans, and, and, and they all were gathered here at, at, at Antioch. And Antioch was a church, it was like a megachurch, it was like Saddleback or, or, or the Grove or, 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 or Harvest. It was this huge 
church and group of believers that were that were that were growing abundantly. And the thing about Antioch was that that we know this from other other scripture or other writings in the times. It wasn't it, it was it was a place where where the government, the local people that were not Christ followers were known for how well they they made funny terms out of out of people. So so they actually coined this phrase Christians after, you know, Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? You guys know that, right? And and so it's almost like he, he used this term Christian um, just to kind of make fun of them. It's like it's like using the term redneck, right? Or or or, or I don't know, Jesus freak or, or you know, right wing wacko for that matter. Um, it's that's the kind of t- term that that Christian meant in the time that that uh, these early Christians were 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 living. See, it was a it was a way of these outsiders, the people that weren't within this gathering of believers, to to describe this this crazy cult. See, they thought of it as a, a knockoff Jewish religion that believed this crazy idea that, that, that a savior or Messiah who claimed to be the Son of God came down to the world, he died on a cross, he was raised from the dead, and gave us a mission to spread this good news of grace that, 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 that a heavenly Father that loves us, he sent his Son as a final act of grace to save us once and for all. That is a message that can change the world, but that wasn't what Christians were, were about. See, this was, a, this was a term to make fun of them. So when we look to the Bible to answer the, what it means to be a Christian, we won't find anything there. It's not a definition that's in the Bible. And, and sometimes this is frustrating because we see what, what the result of that is. So if Jesus didn't call us to be a Christian... And if so much of what Christianity is defined by in our culture today makes us want to run away from that term, if so much of what Christianity is today is is that we want to just stay away from it because it's those Westboro Baptist people, what is Jesus actually calling us to be? And the term that, that, that Jesus used in the Bible to describe his followers, it's it's somewhat a bit churchy, right? I mean... It's, it's, it's actually right up there. It's disciple. It's, it's kind of weird. Like I, like, I don't walk around saying, I want to be a disciple. But a lot of times it's not a term we like to use. And especially people who aren't in the church, they'll kind of, kind of like, what is that? What does that mean? You know, disciple means a follower or learner or pupil. And, and, and you could see that just in the, in the term that, that's used by Jesus to describe those 12 Disciples, those 12 people that were closest to him, those were his disciples. Those were his followers. They wanted to be like Jesus. And that's what Jesus called us to be. And it's scary sometimes. It's a, it's a big, big call. It's, a, it's not easy to be a disciple. It's not easy to be a disciple of Jesus. So Jesus calls us to be so much more than just a Christian. He doesn't call us to be a Christian. He calls us to be a disciple. And today we're going to talk about the area where, or the area in the Bible, the part of the Bible where, where um, in John 13, it, it defines what being a disciple really means. Okay, so we're going to talk, look at John 13. It's the most simple definition that Jesus could have come up with, and yet it's so profound. So let me let me let me go through this a little bit. So John is 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 a, a writing. John is writing this story. 
way on down the road after he, he saw all these things happen. So John was, was one of the original disciples. He was actually in the room when this was going on. But he didn't write that down as he went along. He actually wrote this down years later he, with the hindsight of knowing what happened, okay? So, so he, he doesn't know, the disciples at that time didn't know, you know, Jesus is going to die. Jesus is going to rise from the dead. Jesus is going to send them off on, on, a, on this mission to the ends of the earth. He didn't know that. They didn't know that at the time. But John, looking back at that, can link all these dots together and say, wow, look at what Jesus was doing. And in fact, this part of the scripture, John 13, it starts with, uh, it, it starts with the washing of, of the disciples' feet. It starts with this act of love that Jesus shows towards them. And then they break bread together. And then what's interesting, I didn't even think about this until this morning. Is that right before this, Judas is sitting there as one of the twelve. If you know, if somebody doesn't know who Judas was, uh, you know he's the he's the guy that that sold Jesus down for down the river for thirty pieces of silver. But Jesus even shows his love to Judas at that moment. He says, "You know, look, if you're going to do this, go and get it done." Now the disciples must be like, "What the heck is going on? Why is he saying get, get out of here, Judas?" I mean, he doesn't. They don't know that he's going to he's going to sell him down the river, right? So this is just a very interesting piece, part of Scripture. And I'm sure, like I said, that the, that the disciples sit in their shoes as you're listening to this, as we talk through it, and sit in their shoes and think about how you would feel in that moment. Because it would, it would be kind of confusing. So he starts with this. When he was gone, and that meant Judas, you know, Judas has left the building, and, and, and he's like, now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will glorify the Son in Himself and will glorify Him at once. Now, look, I'm a doctor. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a pastor. But this is confusing to me. Is it confusing? I mean, am I the only one that's confused by what this all means? No? I mean, there's lots of big glorified and Son of Man, a Son of God. I, I'm a pretty smart guy, but sometimes this stuff goes right over my head. I looked it up, so I googled it. Um, so, so don't worry, I got this. Um, uh, <laughs> so, so what this is, what Jesus is really saying is here. Here is, hey guys, I'm only gonna be here for a little while. I'm gonna go up to heaven, and you'll see this in the next section. But I'm only, I'm gonna go up to heaven, and and uh, you're, you're gonna, you're not gonna be able to go with me. That's really what he's saying here. But all the glorified and all the Son of Man and Son of God mix, mix, messes it up in my head. But that's what that means. So, so if he's saying this to the disciples, and the disciples are sitting there, and they've heard him say this before, but he's like, they're like, Jesus, I don't understand. What, what are you talking about? This is, you're here. We're your disciples. What, why? What are you? Ta- why? You know, I, I, we, I believe you. I mean, you, you walk. You know, you let, made me walk on water. You allowed me to. You, you've been healing all these people. You've been raising people from the dead. I mean, feeding five thousand. I, I kind of believe because of those miracles and stuff. But, but this is just weird. I don't understand. So let's go to the next slide. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. And you'll look for me, and, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. So, so he's saying right here, look, I'm going away, and, and you guys need to know what to do when I'm gone. And they must have been thinking, no, Jesus, I'm going to follow wherever you go. And, and he'd have been later, as Peter kind of says that, as like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave you. Um, but this is, this is what they're saying. They're, they must be thinking to themselves, no, Jesus, we're your followers. We love you. We are your disciples. We're not going to go anywhere. We're with you. But Jesus knows what's coming. And so he says this. 
Look, a new command I give to you. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You think he means that we should probably love one another. I mean, it says it there a few times. So we want to love one another. And that's what Jesus says it means to be a disciple. So when we get all screwed up about what's Christian, what's disciple, what, what are we called to do? We're called to love one another. And why? Not because, you know, it's just a happy place and we want to, you know, kumbaya together. No, we want to love one another so that others know that we are Jesus followers, that we're his disciples. Wow. That is revolutionary, right? That is subversive too, because see, at that time, these apostles, these, these, these disciples would have said, no, Jesus, you don't understand. That's not going to work. Because you, you see, we have to have all these rules. We have to follow the... How are we going to keep people from eating the wrong things and, and drinking the wrong things and saying the wrong things and doing the wrong things on, the, on Saturday or Sunday or whatever? How are we going to stop people from doing that by just loving one another? That doesn't make sense. And second of all, he throws in this little caveat, like, I loved you. Now, remember what happened that day. Right before this, he says this, as I loved you, he says, I washed your feet. I corrected you. I told you, look, get out of here if you're going to be like this. He, 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 he showed compassion to people who were outsiders. He cared for the poor. He cared for people who were in need. And that's what it meant to love as I have loved you. So this is the part of the statement, as I have loved you, that makes this, this a new commandment. So it says, a new command I give to you, right? The fact that he says love as I have loved you makes it new. Because, see, love one another, love your neighbor, you think that's New Testament, but actually that's Old Testament. That's, that's Old Testament theology. Because it came about in Leviticus, that love your neighbor was a commandment all the way back to Moses. But he twisted it and he turned it upside down and says, love as I have loved you. That means wash people's feet. That means put yourself below, beneath. Put yourself at the bottom. Give up your privileged life for, for, for the, those of others. So that seems all easy when it just says love one another. But then we got to start thinking about the people that he's talking to us about. See, it's easy to love those we agree with, those who have similar educational, political, and cultural, theological backgrounds as us, right? We, when we're Republicans, we, we love Republicans. It's just tough to love Democrats, right? You guys, I'm making this up. It's true. Um, but see, Jesus didn't agree with the sinful acts of, of people. He didn't just agree with them. He didn't say, oh, that's fine, you're fine. I'm, I'm fine, you're fine. That's not what he did. He said, you know, Judas, go out and do what you're going to do, but get out of here. But he also didn't put up with self-righteous behavior of the Pharisees. He didn't, he didn't put up with the legalism of that day. He said, no, you've got to love one another, even if these people are, are Gentiles. He loved and forgave everyone. 
And in fact, he even washed their feet. So this, this is how we'll be known as disciples of Jesus, by how we love one another. Whether it's the opposite political party or people from different religious backgrounds, different life circumstances, it's if we love one another. See, if we're known for how we love one another, we won't be characterized by what we are against, but by who we are for. Let me say that again. See, if, if we're known for how we love one another, we won't be characterized by what we're against, but by who we are for. By who we are for. And that was Jesus' plan. See, Jesus' followers knew what this meant. They'd seen him washing, his, washing their feet. They knew what he meant by that. And, and then right after this, Jesus goes to the cross and he's raised from the dead. And then he comes back and he says in Matthew 28, he says, I'm just going to go through this quickly. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. What does disciples mean? It means love one another to the ends of the earth. He like really thinks this is important. Love one another. And I'm always amazed to see how Christianity spread. If you read Acts, you should read your Bible. I'm working on that. Um, So you should read your Bibles in Acts. It shows this story of amazing, uh, the amazing rise of of this group of band of 11 now. They lost one. 11 guys changed the world. And what did they do? They started following this command. They were caring for each other. They were taking care of the poor and the widows and the orphans. These disciples treated their wives with respect, just like Jesus told them to. They were merciful with their children. They respected their elderly. And they healed those who were sick. They visited people in prison. They, They responded differently to persecution. See, they didn't fear death because Jesus says, fear not. They weren't afraid. And because they responded differently, because they followed Jesus, because they loved one another, things changed. See, outsiders saw this and they were drawn to this irresistible love. They were known for how they loved. And and it was by this that they were known as Jesus' disciples. They they loved one another. And people began to notice. And their, their numbers grew immensely. If you read the book of Acts, you'll find this story of how the early church took hold. And, and in Acts 2, there's a discussion of this time in history. And it says, in verse 46 and 47, it says, They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What's more loving than that? Right? Eating together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. And then the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were known for loving one another. And, and because of this, their numbers, the people that were reached by this message of the saving grace of Jesus Christ, it grew exponentially. It's like Jesus knew what he was talking about, right? He says, by this you'll be known that I'm, you're my disciples. And now Christianity is, at the end, it is throughout the world, right? We haven't, met, we haven't hit, hit every place, but... But we're getting there. And Jesus knew what he was talking about. So today, you have a choice. Today you have a choice. You get to decide how you're going to live. Are you going to just be a Christian? Are you just going to be a Christian with all of the baggage that that brings? Or are you going to be a disciple? 
Are you going to take this commandment seriously or not? You know, some of us have, have lived as Christians our whole lives. And yet when you examine yourself, you're in a season in your life where you're not known for how you love one another. And, and maybe you're one of those Christians that's just not able to live up to the pressure and you feel like you're, you're a hypocrite. And maybe today is the day that you need to change that. Some of you have been hurt by Christians. And you desperately needed to hear today that Jesus didn't call us to be like that. He didn't call us to be angry and judgmental, manipulative and abusive with one another. He called us to love one another. And as you sit with that fact, it makes you want to make a change. It makes you want to follow that type of Jesus. And if you're hearing that message today, I encourage you to listen. Listen to that message that Jesus called, called us to so long ago. And what would it look like if we did that? What would it look like if we started living out this commandment in our everyday lives? What would it look like in our marriages? Some of you need to go home and be again acting like a disciple in your marriage. You need to love your wife or love your husbands, love your kids, love those that you're in a relationship with. And sometimes that means doing things you don't like to do. For me, it's like taking out the trash. I, 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 sorry, babe. I'll work on that. Um, but sometimes it's, it's more than that. But what would your spouse say? What would your family say if you asked this question, how can I love you? How can I love you as Jesus loved me? How would our workplaces look? Some of us need to love that difficult co-worker who's going out of their way to make your life miserable. Um, You know, they're annoying. These people are frustrating me. being stupid, maybe it's just, I'm sorry, this is a person that I'm literally struggling with right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shouldn't have mentioned that. But there's a person at my workplace, and I'm sure there's people at your workplace that, that are just driving you insane. And, and, and what would it look like if we loved one another? Would, what would it look like if we were disciples to those people like Jesus was by humbly washing their feet? I'm not going to wash that guy's feet. I'm sorry, okay? But, sorry. But those around us would see a difference, and by this, we would be known as Jesus followers. How would our church look if this is what we did? How would our church look? You see, the movement that Jesus started with these words, that's what I believe this community of Redlands needs. They need to see the fire of people loving each other. They need to be drawn to that. They need to be irresistibly drawn to the love of Jesus Christ in this community. How would this community look? If instead of being known for our signs and our slogans and, our, and, and, and all of the junk that we're known for, if we were known for how we took care of our community. And I hope that each of us can examine ourselves and find out how we can be known as disciples. For when we we hold up signs of condemnation, are we known by our love? 
When Christians are hypocritical and we are, are we known by our love? When families are torn apart by division and anger, are we known by our love? I don't think so. You see, how can I follow a God who would let Christians do such bad things? You see, God didn't call us to be Christians. He didn't call us just to be Christians. See, the answer becomes very clear when we look at what Jesus actually told us to do. He didn't ask us to be Christians in the first place. In fact, I'm okay if you don't want to call yourself a Christian. I'm not, I know that sounds sacrilegious. I will move right there. But um, look, call yourself a disciple. Be a disciple and follow this new commandment. You know, I believe Jesus said it best. By this, you will be known as my disciples. If you love one another. So let's go out. Let's go outside of these walls. Let's do this in these walls. Let's do these in our grow groups. Let's love one another. Just like Jesus loved us. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for bringing this message to us from 2,000 years ago. God, you didn't have to keep this scripture for us. You didn't have to preserve this through all of these ages, but, but you did. And because of that, the world is a different place. The world has changed because people who followed you took this commandment seriously, God. And I am so thankful for that. I'm standing here because, because of people who have done that. And Jesus, we just ask that as these words sink into our hearts, that, that, that we would have the wisdom to know what to do with that. And we'd have the courage to take those first steps that that, that means. Whether that's talking to our coworkers or, or, or making amends with our family or, or doing, doing something incredible in the community. God, that's, we just ask you that you would get us that first step. Help us to get that nudge to go to that next level. To love others like you.